Oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> I am. My my microphone Why? has literal dust on it. Yeah, mine like, does too. Mine has been hibernating. <laughs> That's a much better way of putting it. Whiskers and Kanye. Welcome back. Welcome Pals. back, everybody. Yeah. Friends, family <sighs> members, person in Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, probably just has this automatically downloaded whenever it uploads. But probably. you know what? That's fine. I'm okay with it. It counts towards too. our uh, numbers. So yes. that's something. Yeah. So to start off, we are going to be doing a potpourri style episode because we are honestly just a little rusty at this and yeah. <laughs> need to get back into it we need to ease back into it yeah, yeah. uh i'm gonna start i want to start actually with some of my favorite movies of 2019 oh my gosh that's okay oh i have so much yes yes okay, okay. <laughs> so the list in no particular order of like top like one to five or whatever into the spider-verse jojo yeah. rabbit Captain Marvel, Always Be My Maybe, and Detective Pikachu. Wow. And I know that there's probably some that I should have put on there, but I I don't know. Those are the ones that kind of stuck out the right. most. Well, should is a dumb word. There's no should. You like what you like. Um, <laughs> That's true. I, I haven't seen many of those. Definitely Be My Maybe um, stood out to me, and I never had a chance to see it. But I think it's on Netflix now, so... Mm-hmm. I really have no excuse now. Um, yeah, the, uh, Into the Spider-Verse, I think, was my top five, I think, um, of the year. It was phenomenal. And I can, I've, I think I've watched it maybe five times at this point, and I'm still sitting on the edge of my seat and, like, getting so excited and so involved. It is my favorite Marvel movie, and you know me, I do not like Marvel movies. Right, yeah. I When you told me that you liked it that much, I was really impressed because... It's, yeah, it is a spider. It's yet another Spider-Man movie. Well, yeah. And, and it, it makes it, fun it, of it. It does. Yeah. <laughs> One more time. Yeah. No, it's that, very. That, that's kind of the, the joke, the ongoing joke in that film is that yeah. um, because there are so many versions of Spider-Man, you get the origin story like six times. Yeah. But they, uh, yeah, it's done in a very kind of lighthearted sort of way where it's like, yeah, we know you've seen this origin story like five times now. Right. <laughs> once um, more. Yeah, once more. I use that movie when I'm talking about postmodernism and trying to provide an example. I use that movie because it has pretty much like four of the most important like aspects of postmodern. It's like the perfect postmodern movie. Um, it's self-referential. Um, it plays with the idea of not having like a referent to kind of when the the world starts going all when they god okay um nah i'm not gonna get into that i just like the movie 
I just like the movie. <laughs> I don't want to talk about school stuff. I graduated. I'm done. <laughs> no, I loved Into the Spider-Verse. And I have a feeling it's because it's animated. It was. It's so hard for me to get into Marvel movies because I can't get past the grown men in superhero suits. And, sure. and the grown men and women in superhero suits. And that's a dumb thing to not be able to look past. But when I... Man, when I see it in animation, it just makes so much more sense. And, you know, he's being slammed up against walls and he's getting injured and stuff. And it's like, oh, it's a cartoon. Of course, it makes sense. But watching mm-hmm. that in, like, watching that in live action, I just, I, I cannot suspend belief. It's so hard for me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I absolutely get that. That said, I would like to see Captain Marvel because I've heard mixed reviews about that movie. And those are kind of my favorite movies to go see is to see which side I kind of fall on, you know? Sure. Yeah. And Captain Marvel did end up on my list because mostly because it's a a buddy cop movie. (laughs) So it it takes place in the 90s uh, when Nick Cage is a much younger agent of not S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist at the time. But he's just kind of like green, you know, and is Nick Cage is Nick Cage the guy with the eye patch? Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Captain Marvel is not. But she's also not familiar with Earth, and he is. And so they have this dynamic where they both have their strengths and weaknesses. I wouldn't consider either of them to be the one that takes the lead, necessarily. Their their impromptu partnership tends to be very even between the two of them. And they're trying to figure out what's going on, what this mystery is, and she has superpowers, and she gets how strong she is which i really appreciate because i feel like a lot of female characters are displayed as somehow doubting i don't know there's always that subtext of they doubt their greatness you know right and she does not and i love that about her yeah i bet that's a lot of the reason why people found it hard to stomach is they there was a female character on screen that was self-assured and it, it came off as cocky to people who don't really understand that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Also, along the lines of a buddy cop movie was Detective Pikachu. Yes. Uh, which is more of a detective film but, than a buddy cop. But it's still very, very good. Very funny. Ryan Reynolds does the voice of Pikachu. And yeah, of course. When I first heard about that casting, I was unsure how I would feel about that because I felt like it was going to be over the top in a yeah. bad way. Yeah. And it is a little over the top, but uh-huh. it's very, very good. Uh-huh. I still need to see it. It looked funny. I don't know. It, it, there seems to be a stream of movies coming out that are um, taking characters from millennial childhood and putting them in movies and it attracts two kinds of audiences it attracts um it attracts the people who were young when that stuff came out and it attracts their kids so mm-hmm. i understand why it's a really good formula um pikachu's animation was much less off-putting than sonic's to be honest oh yes <laughs> yes um that one was so bad that they had to redo the whole thing yeah <laughs> that, and honestly that actually made me very happy that they um there are some studio executives that won't just throw out crap. Like they, they might listen sometimes to some uh, feedback about <laughs> and right. change. Yeah. So anyway, 
Um, while I'm not excited about Sonic, I am interested that they did make those changes. But Pikachu, I've got to see that. The trailers alone really made me laugh, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there's a funny scene where <laughs> it's, it's the classic Act 3 belly of the whale moment mm-hmm. where Pikachu decides that he is a force for harm in the main character's life. And so he just leaves Aww. and uh, <laughs> he's singing the original Pokemon theme song <laughs> in oh, a very cute. sad way, <laughs> in a very, very sad way. And it is extremely funny. Yeah, I need to see that. Um, any more movies? Um, just the other two that I kind of mentioned, like Jojo Rabbit was really good. Yeah. I, I could talk a lot about it and I feel like I am either going to be all or nothing about it. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Like it's very good Yeah. for anybody that hasn't already seen it. You should go see it. Yes. Um, unexpectedly tender and sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Slightly inappropriate, but I think most of the best art probably is. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really like Jojo made me fall in love with Scarlett Johansson and the clothes that she wears in that movie. Oh my gosh. That style. I yeah. love that style. She's I, sharp. I do try to emulate that style. And like, I think now that I have some sort of visual guide for it, I'll, I'll yeah. be seeking out some more of those like silk shirts with wild prints, but that like yep. bow tie neck. Yep. Uh-huh. And yeah. the, f- the flowy pants and the mm-hmm. pointy shoes. Yep. Yeah. And then Always Be My Maybe I included because it's a very good chick flick. Yes. And I again, that. I could talk Probably a lot a about it. Flick. Yeah. I could talk a lot about it, but I'm not going to because yeah. it's time for you to <laughs> tell Yay. me what you like. Yes. Um, so, yes, if we're talking about movies, I do have a lot to say about the movies this year. Um, I just recently looked at the nominations for the Oscars, though. And while I am myself separating my... Um, judgments from the Oscars judgments, I still like to know what they think. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little upset this year, mostly because one of my favorite movies of the year was The Lighthouse, and it only got up for cinematography. I mean, they built an entire lighthouse for that movie, and it didn't even get, like... I don't know if there's an award for set design. I don't know if you've seen that, Andre, but Willem Dafoe gives the best performance I've seen in years and years and years, and he was completely snubbed. And I don't know why... Um, it is kind of a, it is, I wouldn't say it's a gross out film. It has some gross moments and it's odd and it's a very heavy art film. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why, but the Oscars aren't like, they don't always turn away from art films. I mean, the artist no, won yeah. a few years ago, so I don't know what's going on, but it seemed, it seemed really intentional that they were left out of almost everything except cinematography because it is just, it is one of the best movies of, of the year. Um, on that no- note, though, um, Parasite did not get snubbed, and that is one of my other favorites. Very, very good. Makes me want to get into Korean horror films, because apparently they know what they're doing. I don't know. Oh, yes. God, uh, that movie. Really, again, I won't talk about it much. I just kind of want to... I just... I-, I know a lot of people talk about movies like you go in thinking it's one thing and it's another thing, but this is the epitome of that cliche (laughs) it is truly wild like i gasped audibly oh my gosh phenomenal movie um it'll stick with you too um i don't want to talk about midsummer because everyone's talking about midsummer 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a little lower down on the list. Joker is just being increasingly kicked lower and lower and lower on my list. I think it's probably off my top 10 now. But that, I think it, I think he's probably going to win. Um, yeah. Best performance. So- is it getting lower on your list because other things are replacing it or because yeah. the newness of it has like worn off? A little bit of both. There are, yeah, there are other movies that are more interesting to me. And also, I don't know. Um, yeah, the newness. I don't know. I, I spend a lot of time on Reddit. So the whole... Um, incel culture thing wasn't entirely new to me like i was i understood right. that way of thinking and i i've i've browsed those subs because i've been really curious about where they're coming from and it's it is very sad and very uncomfortable and so going into that movie i know a lot of people loved it because yeah i don't think any movie has really quite said what that movie says but i was already familiar with the kind of conversation being had about that stuff so it wasn't a shock to me um, and obviously, it was phenomenally acted. I think Joaquin definitely deserves um, all the recognition he's getting. But I don't know. And Michael loves it. And I, I I definitely think it's worth seeing. But I, I'm never going to see it again. It was just a little too dark. And yeah, yeah I just... I think, I think it really was saying something new for a movie. But my, my biggest complaint is just like, oh, I... But then that's just me being selfish. I already knew all this stuff. I already knew that way of thinking. I already knew that there were people in the world that believed they were being snubbed by a society that was supposed to look out for them. Like, you know, a social contract was being broken. And I think it's a very interesting thing to explore. But um, I didn't think the idea was as phenomenally fresh as it came off. Yeah. Um, That being said, I really do think it um, I really do think he deserves all the recognition he's getting because he was so good. Did you see it? I have not seen it. And the reason why I have not seen it is because I am not interested in villain origin stories. The the differentiation that I draw between villain and hero origin stories is that both kinds of characters are generally presented with some sort of hardship. Something that seems insurmountable. And heroes try to overcome that and are generally rewarded in the end whereas villains are generally they give up basically they see it as too much they can't do anything about it so they are going to instead turn around and make the worst of the situation and make it worse for other people and so I, I, I'm not interested in seeing it. That being said, because of the social commentary, I am really interested because same as you, I am familiar with the incel culture. Uh-huh. I'm familiar with this very misplaced idea that young white men or middle-aged white men are somehow oppressed. oppressed. Um, does the movie offer up any solution to that? So I really think you should give it a shot because... I, I, it's interesting. I, I was talking to Michael about this the other day. Bad guys, 99.9% of bad guys don't do the things they do because they're, they're saying, I want to be bad and I want to hurt people. I think, I, you know, you get into superhero villainy and that's a little bit different. Um, but I think the Joker is a good example of him 
trying to fix a problem that he he perceives and really doing what he thinks is going to fix it and it's destructive and it's horrifying and it's mm-hmm. it's misguided but it comes from his heart and it, so it feels very weird it's very weird watching because you feel really bad for him and the whole middle-aged white men thing yeah the he he does he is honestly in that movie he is oppressed um i think white men in general if you're going to talk about them in broad terms no but um individual individual people do suffer from personal things and so it was it was interesting to see this fairly um sympathetic character from the beginning just turn into something disgusting and yeah it is a villain origin story but he really believes that um he really believes that what he's doing will probably fix the problem and i do think they're um the whole social contract thing i don't think i don't think it's a matter of the social contract being broken with these people i think it's a matter of them misunderstanding what they get in return for their for their existence <laughs> i'm mm. of the mind that nobody is entitled to anything you know except or for a few for a few basic things and um love is not one of those you are not entitled to the love of um anybody and you're not entitled to the friendship of anybody. And I think mm-hmm. that is what a lot of the types of people that uh, the Joker is representing misunderstand. Just because they exist doesn't mean they deserve friendship. Friendship and love take work and they take work on yourself. Um, they take time, um, yeah, to work on yourself. It's it's a really confusing movie. And the more I talk about it, the more I want to see it again because it does explore mental illness too. Um, because he has he has an illness that alienates people around him. I don't know if you know, but it's the laugh. Like whenever he's in a nervous yeah. situation, he has the laugh. And it really is interesting. And now now I wanna now I wanna see it again. Um and I <laughs> okay. think you'd be yeah, I think you'd be interested um in what it has to say. It does I do think it is um holding a mirror to society, whatever. Um, and saying like, saying like, this is how bad it can get if we mistreat these people. Also, these people need to understand like that their perception is not necessarily reality. Cause it explores that a lot too. It explores, um, the Waynes actually being the bad guys. And I'm wondering, and honestly, it, Wayne doesn't come off as very, very nice in the movie. And I'm wondering if they were just doing that to come to, to strengthen the Joker's perspective. Um, he he has this fantasy with this girl i don't know it is very it does some interesting psychological things but again i don't know yeah with movies like that i i think art should be dangerous i do um but with movies like that you run the risk of people you know going full rick and you know (laughs) Uh, that didn't yeah. make sense in my head it made sense but well, but no, taking, it, it taking rick me, yeah. mm-hmm, taking rick sanchez or tyler durden to be the hero whereas they're supposed to represent like don't or walter white like they're supposed to represent right. like don't be that guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't be this guy um don't do it yeah the more i talk about it the more i want to see it again um it's so so dark so dark mm-hmm. so sad um the last movie I want to talk about is Uncut Gems, and that might be a weird one because there's other ones that everyone's talking about that um, I think are kind of, they have enough recognition already, but I feel like Uncut Gems is not being noticed, and it was a phenomenal movie. <laughs> Adam Sandler in serious roles is just a treat. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I've seen him in semi-serious roles. I haven't been really interested in his, like, super serious roles. Yeah. But he is a good actor. He is a genuinely good actor. Yes. That being said, um, I heard, uh, you know, I, I just heard through the grapevine, so don't take too much stock mm-hmm. in this, that he was really upset that Uncut Gems was snubbed at the Academy. Yeah. And so as revenge, he is going to um, try and make the worst movie imaginable, to which most of us are responding with, you, you already, already made did. Jack yeah. and Jill. You so yeah, Adam is a confusing yeah. man, and Michael kind of looks at him like, okay, every few years he makes a serious movie like um, Punch Drunk Love or Spanglish or Uncut mm-hmm. Gems, and then in between those, he just like dicks around with his friends and makes stupid crap and has fun because he can make enough money to do that. And it's like, why right. would why would I ever why would I ever deny someone the right to use their money just to have fun? <laughs> Yeah. Like, why would I expect him to stay a serious actor if, if I couldn't even commit to that kind of thing myself? But it is kind of annoying that he wants to get back at people <laughs> and make a crappy movie. Yeah. Like, come on. I really don't think I, I really don't think it should. It, yeah, it should have gotten recognized for something. And I'm not entirely sure what it yeah. was a very confusing, stressful movie. Um, I I get anxiety just watching the trailer for holy it. Holy crap, so Audrey! It is I, nonstop anxiety, nonstop. Ooh, the music, yeah. everything about him. He's just moving on to the next thing. Oh, moving on to the next thing, making the next big bet. Oh my gosh, gangsters following him constantly. It's just so stressful. So good, mm-hmm. but yeah, hard pass. Yeah, hard pass. <laughs> but it has a. It, it honestly, it has a pr- probably a pretty good message about addiction. But and probably was saying something about Jewish culture that I just didn't entirely pick up on. Um, but it was really fascinating to watch some of the chemistry between um, some of the Jewish characters and some of the black characters, um, mm. because it was mostly the main characters were mostly Jewish or black. And yeah, their their interactions were very similar and very interesting. And so I feel like something was something cultural was being said that I missed. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoyed I enjoyed it. It had pretty colors and it had funny moments and yeah, it was I thought it was good. Well, that actually is a tangential segue into my next thing, which is books. Yes. And I I'm not going to go through like the whole list of books that I read. I'm not even going to go through some of the books that I read. Mm-hmm. What I discovered in 2019 is I really enjoy detective novels. Mm, that's right. And the kind of segue into that is that the most recent, no, not the most recent. So the connection there, the segue there is that the last book of 2019 that I read is called The Yiddish Policeman's Union. <laughs> and it is a detective novel that takes place in Alaska in a alternate timeline version of Earth where in the like late 40s um during the last like mid to late 40s all of the jews in america and a lot of them in europe decide to relocate to a like jewish settlement in alaska uh-huh. and israel doesn't exist because of that and it's just it's it's a really good mystery it's a murder mystery yeah and i think it says a lot of things about jewish culture in a way that is very accessible for people who are not familiar with it. Mm-hmm. It's very good writing. It's very clean writing where 
you know, it's not like, hey, you're a child, so I'm going to talk down to you about this, but it's not obtuse either. Right. Where it's like, well, I'm just going to assume that if you picked up a book called The Yiddish Policeman's Union, you're Jewish, and so right. you already know all this. Yeah. Um, yeah, that being said, I discovered that I really like detective novels. I am very particular about the fact that they do need to be detective novels. I did read And Then There Were None at Halloween by Agatha Christie, which is more of like a mystery novel, and I did not enjoy it. Yeah. So there has to be that element of a detective there. Yeah. Well, because that's where the juicy stuff in detective novels is, is exploring the psyche of the detective and stuff. Like, it's a mystery in in their world and also a mystery in their head. You know, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. And they can... They pick up on the little details that the average person doesn't. And so you do feel kind of smart reading it. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, yes, I I can see inside this smart person's Uh mind. I can see how they got there. Too too smart. Yes. Yeah. I recently finished, and by recently, I mean on Friday night, Mm. Saturday night, actually, I finished reading a book called In the Woods. Yeah. And this is one of those few books that I am recommending to you, Carmen. Ooh to read i think you personally would really really enjoy the book especially the 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 third act okay it comes together in a way that i think you would find very satisfying yeah i'm interested what was it called again in the woods in the woods the author is tana french t-a-n-a and then french like french (laughs) it is it's pretty long it takes place in ireland Mm -hmm. and Again, a lot like the Yiddish Policeman's Union, you don't really have to know a lot about Irish culture in order to understand it. Tom does a really good job of not making it too in your face, but also she doesn't exclude that from from the book. Interesting. I recommend that. Yes. Well, most of the books I read last year were for school um, because I just had my last semester. Um, Yeah, and most of them aren't pretty and aren't recent enough one that did really stand out was a hundred years of solitude and that is a classic that's been on my list to read for a while but i can never really get around to it and it is nothing like i expected it to be based off of the title but it kind of made me fall in love with magical realism as a genre which we could we could, we could probably do a hold episode yeah because i because what came up after that was like oh man i want to talk about atlanta oh man i want to talk about bojack horseman and bojack horseman is on my list to chat about because i just started watching that but anyway um 100 years of solitude is really really interesting and it's really long and repetitive and the names repeat but all of it is to serve like this this idea that this family is just kind of going through a cycle through a, a through a century kind of going through a cycle of a cycle of survival and relationships and um what's the word i'm looking for well and their mistakes too right mm-hmm. that's the thing that i remember the most from when i read it uh-huh. which granted was about 12 years ago yeah so i could probably do with a reread but um <laughs> the audrey of 12 years ago was definitely looking for more poppy stuff i guess like yeah. pop culture sort of stuff in my books yeah. and so i i had a harder time appreciating the classics and that's what stuck out to me the most was the fact that i was just like i just read about this like 
Uh-huh. These people are so dumb. Yeah, it's... I just read about this like 50 pages ago. Yeah, so it's about cycles of of uh, a family and kind of their isolation in a community throughout 100 years. It's really hard to explain, but I really, really appreciated the end kind of being about like, you can be as ubiquitous as 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 possible like you can be the most popular like they're because they're essentially their family is famous there are streets named after them and then after a hundred years after a tragedy with the government and the citizens and stuff everything kind of gets forgotten and washed away and even their name is forgotten and it just kind of served to um remind me that stories and writing are probably the most important thing anyone can be doing now um because this family even their their kind of guru friend that kind of told their future in so many words he he wrote everything down he wrote he wrote about their lives you know 100 years in advance before it was even lived and even and even that was that record was destroyed and even that was forgotten and it's it's just it was just a really interesting like moral to me just to to write everybody has a responsibility to write and to record mm-hmm. their lives so that things don't get forgotten you know, because um, this whole tragedy with the banana factory, like thousands and thousands of, of workers just get murdered and discarded at some point in the book. Um, and it's representing a I can't remember what the event is called, but it is representing a real tragedy um, in our world. And it just gets it gets swept under the rug and called something else because there's just no record of it. And it's just humans are just so easily forgetful. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I think I think it's interesting. It kind of reminds me of Jojo Rabbit, too. I, I, I really I think there's a surge of World War One and World War Two movies coming um, because those are pretty formative moments in human history. And I think and all the people who lived them are dying, dying yeah. or dead. And yeah. I really think I really think that we're entering into a new age where the same themes and the same issues are going to be coming up. And so artists and directors are kind of, and authors are kind of aware of this shift that's coming and want to remind people about our history, about the worst parts of our history to kind of be like, Hey, keep yourself in check. You know, we we got a big change coming in the future and we need to remember what we've already learned, the mistakes we've already made. That's, I think that's pretty much why a hundred years kind of stood out to me. Not a 2019 book, but it was read by Carmen in 2019, so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So tell me about BoJack Horseman, then. Yeah, so um, Michael and I have our nephew Chase staying with us for a few weeks while he finds a job down here. And he sat us down and showed us BoJack because Michael and I have been very reluctant. Because I think Michael tried watching the first episode and didn't like it. And I I shouldn't do this, but I take Michael's judgment to pretty much be my judgment too because we're so similar. So I was mm-hmm. just like, okay, then I'm just going to write off BoJack too. But we watched the first episode and watched the second episode and then the third. And like just one after another, it just got better and better. And it's such a clever joke that these animals are just walking around like humans and it's not like it's unsaid like no one it's not like no one doesn't it's not like people don't notice you know the show is called bojack horseman and his his show within the show is called horsing around like people recognize that they're animals but it's just it's just every day and so yeah so the magical realism element is just there's so much weird stuff going on there's chicken people laying eggs when they get shocked and there's turtle people and and you know it's just it's so weird and it's it's so fun because so many jokes are practically written at that point like Mm -hmm. and i don't know 
So it's just the element of there's something weird going on, but no one is no one is commenting on how weird it is. <laughs> like there's there's people there's people dating dogs. It's just so strange, but it's so funny too, and it's a lot more tender and sad than I anticipated. The voice acting is incredible, and yeah, I am kind of addicted, and I want to keep watching, but we're kind of watching it as a group, so I can't really forge ahead. Sure, but I really yeah. um, have you watched it. No, it does keep on popping up on my recommendations, uh, probably because Will it's Will Arnett that mm. does the voice of BoJack, right? Yeah, that's right. And I am a huge fan of Arrested Development yes. and a fan of kind of the wacky animated television shows. So it does seem to be a perfect fit yeah. for me. I just... Uh, you man, need to take the plunge. I just forget. I know. Yeah. Uh, honestly, 90% of the things that I don't watch that I mean to are just because I forget. Yeah, and there's just so much <laughs> content out there to take in. And I'd so much more easily watch Arrested Development again for the seventh time than start oh, a sure. new show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I pushed past the first episode. It's pretty unfunny, but it gets really, really good. Really, really personal. I don't know. I feel so bad for some. You just need to watch it. Yeah, I, I, I highly put that recommend on my list. Yeah. And we're late to the game, so there's plenty of seasons to binge. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I am going to touch a little bit on video games that I played in 2019. Cool. Um, mostly Stardew Valley, which I believe I've talked about in episodes previous. And if I have Most likely. <laughs> I am. I'm just going to leave it at like, I'm still playing it. Still love it. Yeah. Still farming. I forgot we started a joint farm. We need to get back on that. Yeah, I kind of yeah. blitzed out. I blitzed out on Stardew and kind of taking a several month long hiatus because I just went. Sure. I went insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. And I also played a game called Little Misfortune. Mm. It's not so much a game as it is an interactive story. It takes maybe two or three hours to play. It's very very good. And the main character, whose name is actually Misfortune, mm-hmm. is very very sweet. My husband and I will kind of quote some of the the lines that she says uh, in the game at each other when the opportunity comes up for it. Mm-hmm. And she's very funny. She kind of has a lot of, as you can imagine, misfortune in her life. Yeah. And she has very bad luck. But she always just picks herself back up and <laughs> keeps moving forward. <laughs> and she considers herself a very fancy lady and a very proper lady and that's great she's like i don't know maybe seven years old or so six or seven years old so i'm reminded she's very sweet i'm reminded of those children's books with the really like the white covers and the really bright colors of like misfortune or mr grumpy or oh Mrs. Yeah, Clean. yeah yeah you know that's kind of what i have in my head <laughs> Um, I also played the game Grease, which is spelled G-R-I-S. I oh, probably should French. not hit the S at the end Glee. very hard. Yeah, it's more like Gris. But it is very good. It's very stylized. Yeah. Uh, Carmen, for my birthday last year, you gave me the uh, game Inside. That's right. That's what, yeah. And I, th- it's very similar to that in theme. Uh-huh. Just in that it's it's about the main character you're trying to get this main character through these puzzles for some goal you don't know what it is when you start out with mm-hmm. and much like inside you also just kind of 
start. <laughs> yeah. And there's like no tutorial or anything. Nope. So you're kind of left to figure that out. It's a very good. I took several screenshots of the game as I was playing it because they actually look like watercolor paintings. Wow. They are gorgeous. I'm so excited Again, for this new wave of like really artsy video games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, it's a very short play. It's maybe four hours total if you really wanted to like buckle down and just yeah. blitz through it. But I do recommend just taking your time and appreciating the art. And even then, you're looking at maybe seven hours max. Mm-hmm. Cool. I Let's see. Michael downloaded halo and we've been playing a lot he so there's like a map building element to that game that i had no idea about but he's been building maps for our friends that are just like and it's it's just like there's king of the hill and there's runaway from barney which is horrifying and it's been really really fun playing that and it's fun too because michael played that when he was younger and so it's kind of like a he's sharing kind of this video games seriously just have so much power Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think it's connected him and his friends for probably ten years as they as, as they've lived apart. And Halo is one of those ones that he he played so much when he was a kid, so he's very giddy when he finally got to share it with me. I've been doing Halo. I've been doing a little bit of Minecraft. I've been watching Michael go back through Breath of the Wild, and I watched him play um, Red Dead Redemption, which looks like probably the next big one that I'll take on. Because, you know, there's like the little bite-sized mm-hmm. video games, and then there's the ones like like GTA or something, which I love. Right. And so Red Dead is from the same people, and so I think that's probably the next one I'm going to pick up on. It looked beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a very well-animated cinematic sort of a game and i have not personally played it because we don't have the right platform to play it right but it yeah it looks very very good uh that's pretty much all i have for video games i'm more of um for the past year i've been more watching michael than playing them myself i have my i have my trusty go-to's you know but yeah new games are kind of hard for me to start it seems like a like a big decision (laughs) i don't know why it really does it feels like a a huge time commitment even if they're not necessarily a huge time commitment Mm -hmm. and so i get that i just have to remind myself that i can just play it whenever i want it doesn't have to be a a thing i don't know yeah yeah i started a game last night called slay the spire Mm. and it's it's a really interesting format where you basically build a deck of cards that give you actions to do and your character basically either attacks or defends from the enemies that you face in each room and you're climbing up this tower and basically you just go as long as you can with the hit points that you have and you get rewards for the rooms that you beat um, like more cards or gold or items and it's just it's a very chill game and so it's definitely one that i can see myself playing for just like a half hour before bed if i'm like eh, i'm getting tired it's like a half hour before bed so i can't really start anything new like i'm not gonna start a project yeah 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 so it's it yeah 
I, I can appreciate that because the reason why I had not started it before, even though I know that my husband really likes it, is because I'm in that mentality of Stardew Valley where I'm just like, well, if I can't be willing to play hundreds of hours on it, then what even is the point? What is the point? <laughs> I understand. That game is incredible. I think the reason I kind of gave it a break, I hate winter season. I hate the winter season. I know there are things to do during yeah. the winter, but I don't care. I just want to farm. And so <laughs> I, I started a new one because my old one, I something happened. It saved like 20 days before. Anyway, I lost like 20 days of progress and I was so frustrated. So I rage. No. Yeah, I, oh. I rage quit and started a new one. And so I don't have a greenhouse yet to grow in the winter. And so I've been oh. I'll hop in and do like two days at a time in the winter to get through it. But I just can't get excited in the winter. I can't plant anything. My pumpkins. <laughs> you know. Just you know how it goes. Just get out of bed and then get right back into bed. That's what I've been day. doing, but then I feel bad because I'm <laughs> wasting my time. I could be selling like my ores to buy more seeds. I don't know. It's this whole complex. Yeah. It's just stressful. Sure. Games should be stressful. Um and Stardew is the exact opposite of stressful. Um yeah. we have been a fan of party games lately. Obviously Mario Party. Um there's a particular one though called Speedrunner. I don't know if I've talked about it yet, but it is, it is, Mm -mm. yeah, it is the exact opposite of like a relaxing game. It is very high energy. You just pick a character and they're the funniest, unique characters. You pick a character and you just run and there's, there's a bunch of obstacles in the way you'll have to duck and bob and weave and you can use your, you can use your grappling hook in certain areas to kind of get faster. Anyway, the point of the game is that the longer you go and the more people die, the smaller the screen gets. Cause if they get off screen, then they die. Hmm. So you have to keep up um, the first person kind of. The, per- the person in first place kind of sets the speed and you have to keep up with them or else you're going to get behind and get blown up. And the, the, <laughs> and the screen gets smaller and smaller, so you have to get closer and closer and you can't afford to make any mistakes. And it's so fun to play with friends because it gets so exciting and stressful. That one's really fun. And it's kind of like a... It's, it's one of those quick um, party games. So not a huge commitment, but a really, really good one. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, shall we... Uh go into our lightning round of things that we don't feel like talking 10 minutes at a time about yes we should all right so my first thing is mayonnaise cake this is a recipe that my family has passed down for a couple of generations now it's a chocolate cake where you replace the oil and egg and like any of the fats in it with mayonnaise and it makes the cake so moist Mm. and so rich and i love it Okay, yep. well, you'll have to send me a recipe. I <laughs> love my electric tea kettle that I got for Christmas, and it can bring water up to temperature for a variety of types of teas. And I Ooh. brew the meanest cup of green tea now, and it makes me so happy. And I drink chamomile tea every night because now it's easy. And yeah, um, go. <laughs> I love the thunder sounds that Macy's has uh, like installed when they missed their vegetables. Totally. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny when you're in the produce section and you're picking out your vegetables and all of a sudden you hear this <sighs> crash and then it starts misting the vegetables and I love it so much. It is so charming. It's like, it's like a throwback to our caveman times when we're picking, well, I guess cavemen <laughs> didn't have agriculture, but whatever. It's it's older times when we're picking our vegetables fresh and there's fresh rain on them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that. go. Um, I love University Press short introduction series. They have tiny little books that give um, very brief overviews on a 
billion different types of topics. I think I have eight now because I keep asking for them for Christmas. Um, <laughs> the post-structuralism one is the one that kind of got me hooked because it taught me so much about that really freaking complicated subject in a very simple way. Um, I also have feminism, the blues, the English language, eugenics. <laughs> All wow. Of, yeah, they have such cool topics and um they take maybe a total of four hours to read because they're they do kind of read a little bit like a textbook some of them um but they're so informative and i get to dip my toes in a ton of subjects without having to buy a lot of books about them <laughs> it's like going down a wikipedia rabbit hole it really is you just get stuck on one yep. topic instead of you know uh -huh. 50. oh it's wonderful honestly like the format of their book is like the format of our early podcast where we were like giving a history of it and then kind of relating it to pop culture things that the reader can relate to so anyway i thought their format was very helpful and now you <laughs> 2019 for me was the year of self-care mm. And so it was very much the year of buying Epsom salts to put in my baths yeah. and bath bombs. I am obsessed with peel off charcoal masks now wow. because my skin feels so soft afterwards. Yes. I love it. Uh, definitely taking better care of my nails and I'm loving nail polish and I got, <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time on this. I had a incident with my shoulder back in October where it was just kind of scary. I don't know what happened. Yeah. But it ended up really hurting very, very bad for some unknown reason. I got an acupressure mat that I lay on every once in a while, maybe like three times a week. And it's all in the name of self-care. Yep. And I just feel so much better about myself knowing that I am paying the attention to myself that I think I have been neglecting for yeah. a very long time. So self-care. Yeah. Do it. Just, just do it. Yeah. You got some lost time to make up for, you know? Yeah, I really do. Okay. Go. Um, I love Rancheritos <laughs> and <laughs> I know that that's just horrible, but we, I think that's a local chain. So if you want to like describe uh, it to our out of state listeners. So I feel like most states will have the equivalent of a Rancheritos in their area. They're the really, mm -hmm. really, um, I don't want to say crappy because I eat there and I don't want to eat at crappy places. <laughs> um, but they're the kind of, um, rundown looking Mexican restaurants that are called Rancheritos or Beto's or Lucy's or some sort of variation of that. They're open 24 hours a day. Um, and they serve these massive burritos. I really do think like there is some version of this place everywhere. Anyway. Oh yeah, probably. Um, last night we got home late and we were not wanting to cook and we didn't know what to do and no places were open, but Rancheritos was open and I got a breakfast burrito and it just changed my life. That's all. They're, they're burritos weigh like two pounds yeah. easily. Well, their tortillas <laughs> are massive and, mm -hmm. um, if you order anything else other than a burrito, they still give you a tortilla. I think like sometimes I order the carnitas and they give you all the fixins to make a burrito from the leftovers. The breakfast burritos are insane. They have potatoes and bacon and sausage and cheese. And oh my gosh. I also love that if you order the rolled tacos, they will cover it in guacamole. Yeah. 
I'm looking at you, Chipotle. Yeah, so guacamole is extra. They literally put like a half a cup of guacamole on top of the world's tacos. Yeah, to be fair, I think their guacamole is like 40% water. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's possible. Understand, though, that this, understand the quality of food that you're eating and don't ask her too much, though. You know, free guacamole is free guacamole. Yeah, I, I think I am convinced that there are little versions of this place everywhere. They're just called something different. But they have, they are an essential, they are an essential part of my um, Utah life. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now you. Sure. Uh, podcasts, obviously. I think this is going to come out in every lightning round that we ever do because I'm always discovering new podcasts mm-hmm. to listen to. So I got hooked on a podcast called The Magnus Archives, mm. which is a little spoopy. Spoop. Uh, yeah. I also listened to the No Sleep podcast a lot this year. Oh man! Which again, a little spoopy, but <laughs> not like horrifying. Yeah, just fun. And then on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, I listened to a podcast a lot called The Empty Bowl, which is a very silly podcast where the two hosts talk a lot about cereal. Well, that's all they talk about <laughs> is cereal. But they, they try to make it a meditative podcast, and so they speak in very, very kind of low, even tones, and they have, like, the sound of waves crashing on the shore in the background. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so it's just, it's very, very good. Mm-hmm. And it's only, like, a half hour long every couple of weeks, mm-hmm. so it's definitely worth the time while you're driving around. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Yeah, speaking of podcasts, I was going to bring up Philosophize This after... Um, after what you said. Um, and I know that you've <laughs> listened to it a little bit. Um, I really like it's again, pretty much just it's it's very similar to the Oxford short introduction series that I talked about earlier. Each episode just focuses on a philosopher and idea and it just kind of gives you a crash course and some historical context. And it's very fun um, for me as a person who's searching for kind of a definition, a, a way to define how I believe in God and how I believe in you know what how i believe we should spend our time so it's giving me a lot of good context for yeah just kind of learning that about myself and he's funny and dorky and um just very very informative yeah and i want to do a shout out for steven west i know he doesn't listen to this <laughs> podcast <laughs> but maybe now he will but maybe now he will he has taught me so much <laughs> <laughs> well i think that's about it for us yeah. we're attempting to do slightly shorter episodes so we're going to call it now, I think. Yeah. And I am really bad at outro. I forgot again, apparently. Usually, I forgot what we usually do. <laughs> um, if well, you, normally we plug our social media, but I think right. we should probably get that back up and running first. Yes. Before we plug Indeed. it. Indeed. Um, yeah, maybe we could just encourage people if they... If any of our favorite things resonated with them or if they have anything that we think we missed, especially in the 2019 vein, maybe they can message us and say, you forgot to talk about the best thing of the year, you know? Um, Yeah. Email us at kittenwhiskersandkanye at gmail.com. Pretty easy to remember. Just the name of the podcast at Gmail. And... We'll plug our Twitter and our Instagram once we do finally get stuff up on it. Yes. Right now, it's pretty much a ghost town. Is dead. Old bus style oh, has yeah. has the tumbleweed blowing across it. So we'll dust those off and we'll get those <laughs> up and running again. Yep. In the meantime, thanks for joining us. Yes. 
This has been Kitten Whiskers and Kanye. I'm Audrey Stratton. I'm Carmen Thorley. And we <laughs> did we ever have like a tagline? No, I always said Kitten Whiskers and Kanye after. Yeah, you you screwed it up. I screwed it up. It's okay. That's okay. okay. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>